Hello and welcome to Dumpster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me as always is my co-host and brother, Jordan. Yep, hello. And we are here doing what we do, as longtime listeners know. Jordan and I are always on the hunt for good or at least interesting movies on DVD and Blu-ray. And every month or so, we pick one of these films from our collections, and we watch it and we talk about it here on The Dumpster Dive. We try to find, like, cheap physical media. Yes, absolutely. Try to find good stuff for cheap. Yep, it's it's a celebration of physical media. And uh, You say you go back into our collections, and sometimes it's like what we've just found, and this one is one that I've had for a while. Right, so this is one of Jordan's um, selections that we're going to be talking about in this episode, and I'm pretty excited about this one. Um, I think this is probably the first sequel that we've done yeah. on the show. Well, we've also complained that like a lot of the ones we did are genuine, kind of the they belong in the dumpster. Uh huh. <laughs> like they're so bad, they're good movies. This is genuinely, I think, like a good movie and a also good find. and also fits comfortably under the label of cult classic. Oh, yeah. Like very much so. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's I believe the only sequel we've done on this show um, so far. It's definitely one of the most unique sequels mm-hmm. ever produced. People might already have guessed what we're going to be talking about. But let's go ahead and play the trailer to this movie, and then we'll be right back to talk about it. Remember the last time we told you not to feed them after midnight. We told you to keep them away from the light. And the most important warning of all, we told you to never, ever get them wet. You didn't listen. They're mutating. Sir, is the building on fire? No, no, that's a false alarm. Uh, Are you trying to panic New York City? Absolutely not. So the monsters are real? I didn't say that. Gremlins 2. The new batch. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Okay, so you have just heard the trailer to the infamous Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Is The New Batch actually part of the title of this movie? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. They didn't want it to be, but it is. Interesting. I'm I'm excited to pick your brain on all of the, the factoids. <laughs> That's actually the only factoid I know about that particular fact. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Gremlins 2, The New Batch, of course a sequel to Joe Dante's Gremlins. Dante is back directing this movie. Uh, Steven Spielberg is back yeah. producing this yep. movie. It's still an Amblin movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a wild ride. So do you want to go ahead and summarize? I don't know how much we want to talk about Gremlins. Can I have to assume for this that people 
have seen Gremlins. Yeah, because we really we will pro- our discussion will probably cover the the first Gremlins movie. They're so closely tied. And yeah. Related, so yeah, and this one very much both. comments on that one, but we're gonna try to focus our discussion on Gremlins two. So, do you want to go ahead and kind of give a summary of this movie? Sure. I'll start out with like the premise of the original Gremlins, which yep. is. Um, I don't even know how to summarize gremlins. Okay, so gremlins are little fuzzy creatures, mogwais. Yep. And there are certain rules they have to follow, or if you don't follow these rules in order like, to keep take care of them, they'll turn into evil little gremlins that cause havoc and they'll multiply. So. Mm-hmm. And just for the record, what are the rules? <laughs> we should, just so we can get <laughs> well, this that's, that's on the, the official premise. dumpster dive. That's the dive. premise. There's not really a lot of story to right. gremlins, or gremlins too, for right. that matter, but... Yeah, the rules. All right, let's see. What are they? Rule number one: you can't get them wet, right? Because then, if if you do get them wet, they'll multiply. Mm-hmm. Rule number two: um, oh, bright light, which I think is probably the first. Yeah, rule. I think we've I'm already, mixing we've already them up gone out of order. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, bright light kills them, and then you can't feed them after midnight. You definitely. Definitely, so. I want to feed him after. Midnight. I mean, the pr- the premise pretty much is the rules because it's like you know, it's like introducing the gun into yeah. the story. It's like it has to go off at some yeah. point. You can't introduce all these rules, and they instantly break every single one of so them. So that's like you know, it's gonna that's happen. essentially the first movie. Um, uh, a, a a kid, a boy. An old, I guess he's yeah. like 20 years old. I actually was wondering that. Like, how he, old do you he think seems he is? Like he see, I was thinking about this. See, this is us already talking about Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> because we both rewatched. Well, I was Gremlins actually thinking about it about this one. Recently. But. Well, like, I feel like in the story of the first Gremlins, it probably would have worked better if they would have cast a little bit younger of a kid. Yeah. Because, I mean, the actor must be like 20 at least. Yeah. And he, he looks that old. And he does have a job, a part-time job in a bank. He wants to be a cartoonist. But, you know, he still lives at home with his parents. and I always think of it as, like, the age, like, right after you graduate high school. That's probably about right. he's not in high right. school, but he's, like, between so, college and yeah, high school. that's probably about right. So he's probably about 18. But he still or, seems like that in this movie, too. Yeah, probably <laughs> about 18 or 19. And then, yeah. yeah, this one, I guess, it seems like it maybe takes place a couple of years later. Well, it takes place, I don't know if, it, like, the story takes place five years later. Right. But the movie came out five years later, so I think you can kind of assume that. Maybe. It kind of seems like less time has maybe. passed. but. Yeah, it's hard to say, but in anyway, the time frame of the producing the movie, it's yeah. five. Anyway, we're like way up the rails, but yeah. So <laughs> this um, this young guy um, gets uh, this little creature, a mogwai, as a pet, yep. who he names Gizmo. His dad names him Gizmo, and um, those are the three rules: you can't get, um, don't expose a mogwai to bright light; it harms them. Sunlight can kill them. Don't get them wet; otherwise, they'll multiply. And don't feed them after midnight, otherwise the gremlins will, or the mogwai will turn into the evil, or at least very mischievous and destructive gremlins. Yes. And all of those things subsequently happen, and that's the first movie. Yeah. Um, the first one they set, they set it up because like you don't know what will happen because of the rules. They don't. Right. They don't say. Don't ex- except for the sunlight one, of course. But they say don't get them wet. So yeah. They don't say why don't say or why. anything like and that. And it's like so whatever you do. So then when it happens in that movie, you're like, what right. is going on? Here? And then you know, like they they very yeah. emphasize point. Whatever you do, absolutely positively, do not yeah. feed them after midnight. And then he chaos ensues. Those are pretty fantastic 
somewhat nonsensical rule. Yes, but I love it. It's, I like I mean, it too. I think it's so it's, mythological. It's exactly. That's yeah. what I was just going to say. It's part of what makes Gremlins a real kind of modern classic. It's kind of like yep. Freddy Krueger. It's like a modern, it yeah. sounds like a modern myth or a, yep. an urban legend or yep. something. Um, like it seems like something that's older than this movie. Yeah, totally. So that's the premise of Gremlins. So what's going on in this sequel, Gremlins 2? Because Gremlins was a big hit. Yep. This is the behind-the-scenes setup. Gremlins is a big hit. So, of course, there has to be a sequel. Yep. So the first one is, like, in a little small town. I don't know. They kind of treated it as, like, a throwback movie, kind of like a It's a Wonderful Life type mm-hmm. movie. It's a little small town. And then this one, they up it, and now they're in New York. They're in, like, a smart building. Mm-hmm. The, both the main characters from the first one, Billy and what's her name? I always call her Phoebe because it's Phoebe. I think, Kate, yeah, but I think it's like Katie. Yeah. Kate, or Kate, Katie. Kate or Katie. So they're both returning in this one, and they both work in this smart building. And somehow Gizmo is like nearby, and he winds up in the same building as them. And then the I thought it was actually a pretty good story. Yeah, the, it's the clever, but if you think about it, it's like they were just happened to wind up in the same. Oh, sure. Story, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, you can't really technically like analyze the little plot details yeah. of this movie but then of course all the rules get broken and uh, the gremlins start running amok and it needless to say it like, gets like zanier and zanier as it goes along and it becomes like a living cartoon and you yeah. said it's like the mask and that's what i yep. think of when i think of this movie yep. too well it opens with li- with um a cartoon with bugs bunny yeah. and daffy a looney Duff. tunes yeah so like how they used to put cartoons in front of movies um, Gio Dante has is a Warner Brothers film. Yeah, he's so obviously he has, a big animation fan. Yeah, he has um, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck at the very beginning, kind of introducing the movie. And at first, you're like, "What the mm-hmm. heck is this about?" You like think you put the wrong movie in, or something. but it's very appropriate to this movie because this is very much yeah. like Looney Tunes. It kind of sums up the movie or the tone of the movie too. It's like a wacky cartoon, and then it stops, and like the titles come up, and it's. Gremlins 2, the yeah. new batch, like something you wouldn't necessarily put together with right. a Looney Tunes The whole cartoon. movie is like that. So it's off to kind of like an off-kilter yeah. start. So, so Gizmo and, and um, Billy end up in this big um, industrial building, this yeah. smart building um, run by kind of this visionary um, industrialist. Yeah, like a developer. multimillionaire guy. And uh, Billy's working there. And it, it's in 1992. So mm-hmm. it's like a futuristic building. So set it, but it's sure. in the 1990s. Yep. So it's not. Yep. It's it's 1990s version of what the future's like. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> well, yes, but then I mean, I feel like a crucial element of the plot is the genetics laboratory. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. forgot. <laughs> well, there's so many things going on in there that are. building. It's like so the the top floor they're doing genetic testing on animals, which is why they had Gizmo. So they're testing on him, and once all the gremlins take over, they get into the lab and they start mutating, which yeah. isn't even like another level to the storytelling. Right. That's like, you would never like see that coming. And right. it doesn't quite m- even make sense if you think about it. It's, they're drinking all these formulas and potions. Basi- right. Basically, they're like potions. So we're getting like mutant gremlins. So yeah. there's a sp- so now so gremlins themselves are bad enough, but now there's like a spider gremlin. Yeah. And there's a bat gremlin, and there's a gremlin made out of electricity. Yeah. So they're developing new powers and new mutations. Or it's like you could have a movie where it's like 
a kid has a dog in a building like this and the dog starts eating the potion or drinking the potions and starts turning into a bat or whatever. Right. This is like the movie's already hap- this weird sci-fi movie is already happening. Yeah. And then you add another type yeah. of sci-fi element to it. And I feel like in a way that's a typical sequel thing, yeah. right? Cuz you're like, okay, well now we had the gremlins in the first and now we have to have like the super gremlins or yeah. something, you know? Well, it's I mean? always like the way to pitch the movie it's like it's this meets this. Yeah. So it's like you try to combine two things together and but, make it sound crazy. But this is all done with a very satirical Yes. There's just such a unique, bizarre, really kind of smart kind mm-hmm. of tone to this movie. It's um, clever. It's very clever. It is very clever, yeah. Um, but you're right. There's, there isn't much more to the plot than that. No, so there's got, not a lot of story to either. You've of got movies. all these in, one or two, all these mutating gremlins taking over this office building. Yep. And of course, the threat is once night falls, the gremlins are going to move out and basically yep. take, take over, over the York. city. Yeah. Uh, which they probably would be able to do since they multiply. And it was so about to rapidly, rain, too. And there's supposedly a big rainstorm coming. So that's kind of the ticking clock. That's the bomb under the table um, that our guys are trying to prevent. Like, yep. we can't let the gremlins get out into the city. And, and they have to stop them, but they're constantly multiplying. So how yeah. do you stop them? Too. And mutating and it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so it's very wacky. Yeah, it's a tough movie to describe because yeah. I'm sure most people have seen Gremlins. It's too, hard to describe because then you just wind up describing individual scenes mm-hmm. because it's kind of what it is. It's all just like a series of gags lined up. Oh, very much so. The story does have the little moments where they pay off at the end and everything. Yeah, but it's good. You wouldn't describe this movie as like telling the story. Yeah, because <laughs> like, even the main characters like. Um, I'm just going to call her Phoebe. Phoebe and uh, Zach, Billy, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot to do in the story. They're right. just kind of there. Just kind because of running around. Two human characters yeah, there. running own. around reacting yeah. to the gremlins. But yeah. I think they do a good job. Too. Yeah. It's like they're, I mean, for whatever they do, you, they're nice to look at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it does, like, I don't know. They do a good job in it. Everybody's, like, committed to it. Oh, yeah. Very much so. So, yeah, there's not a lot of story to it, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's I fun. don't think. So what uh, what is your take on this movie? This is I one love that, it. Yeah, <laughs> this is one we both liked a lot when we were young. Well, I remember watching it on TV as a kid because um, I didn't, didn't see it in the theaters. Nineteen ninety, no. I wouldn't see it in the yeah. theaters. But, but yeah. yeah, I just because I was so into that same stuff. I guess I guess probably the same stuff that Joe Dante was like monster movies, and I liked horror, but I liked it kind of like mixed with something else. Because I've been thinking a lot about that about what specifically I have in common with all these things I like. And I think it's like really dark material presented in kind of like a silly, fun mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Because I was thinking about like, I don't want to get too off topic, but with like Bruce Tim, mm-hmm. where he, like not just with Batman the Animated Series, but like his art, he draws really dark and mm-hmm. kind of weird, twisted, like nudes and stuff like that. But it's in a cartoony style. Right. Like I kind of like, and this is kind of like, a really dark horror movie presented yeah. as like a silly Looney Tunes kids right. movie. 
So I think that was where it was like perfectly aimed right at me. Yeah, there is something neat about the sensibility yeah. of the first Gremlins, and it's it's amplified in this one because this one's even funnier. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that and that's what but I. Yeah, mean. I mean, I don't even think as the fr- of the first Gremlins as being particularly funny. No, it's no, no. Silly, maybe. Yeah, and this a, is funny though. This has good jokes. Like I think of them as like horror movies for kids. Yeah. And the first Gremlins is like maybe a little bit more horror. Well, I remember being scared by the first Gremlins. Sure. Yeah. I, I honestly that's remember being scared by the scene where the teacher's in the classroom and he's yeah. reaching under the yeah. desk. Yeah. Well, they kill that kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so this one's not scary, but it has. Like, if I you if you look at it through a certain lens, those gremlin designs are freaky. Absolutely. And like the stuff that's happening is really like. Yep. There's almost like body horror going on with the gremlins too. Yeah. They're multiplying. And Absolutely. Like, that's what's. Sca- I remember that vividly as a kid, freaking yeah. me out. Like the image of like even when the mogwai multiplies. Yeah. Like the way it happens is they get wet and their back starts bubbling. Yeah. Like these bubbly tumors start I think what, what makes it back. the worst is that it seems like it's painful to the Yeah. It's like when the it's like um uh in American Werewolf in London where he turns oh, yeah. into the werewolf. It's not like oh sweet he's turning into a werewolf. And you get it's a like, nice this is, dissolve. You, you yeah. yeah. It's like this is horrifying. Like right. this person's in pain. Like, right. This is like, not Gizmo, something you want to go through. Gizmo's writhing on the floor yeah. and these, <laughs> these tumors are popping out of his back yeah. and then they grow into duplicates, imperfect duplicates yep. of Gizmo and then it's even freakier when they're gremlins and they multiply. And the only thing to deal with once they've all multiplied is you have to kill them. So yeah. it's like they end up in microwaves yeah. and they end up in blenders it's, and paper and, and I mean that's what I mean. It's like a horror movie for kids. There's nothing I don't think too traumatic unless you're like an incredible incredibly sensitive child yeah and it's the kind of thing i don't know that they make anymore i guess maybe they definitely do. not the sequel the first one not really either i mean if you think about it what's going on today in terms of like goosebumps well i was gonna say yeah, maybe goosebumps maybe goosebumps. um scary stories like you I know what i mean that either, but. but but even those are like based on like kids books you yeah. know what i mean like this was an original idea mm-hmm. that was pitched not necessarily as a kids' movie, but well, originally the first one was a horror movie. Yeah, it was like not even like really dark humor. I yeah. guess would be part of the original yeah. one. So yeah, kind of born into it is really disturbing horror. Yeah, well, and I said while we were watching this one, I mean the gremlins themselves, the They're monsters, freaky design. They look great, cool. and like <laughs> when they designed the gremlins. They weren't winking at the camera. They weren't softening yeah. anything. They weren't focus testing anything. They yeah. weren't consulting with any educational experts for what kids were. <laughs> when I, they were just like designing the coolest, scariest looking movie monster. They didn't have like a room where there's a doll and then a gremlin and they see which one the kid <laughs> goes to. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, they were just, they were completely serious about, like, let's just make these really freaky movie mm. monsters. And I feel like that's true for the mythology of the gremlins and the monsters and the creatures. That stuff is all taken completely seriously. Yeah. So, like, if you're a monster fan, all the creature stuff in this movie, and of course it's all practical special effects and wonderful puppetry, that's all absolutely terrific. And you could... Um, that's why I said it's difficult to kind of convey what this movie is like just describing it because mm-hmm. y- even the second movie you could describe just the plot and someone could imagine it as straight horror. Yeah. Like you could do this story and play it straight. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Um, but Dante has a very kind of cartoonish satirical kind of sensibility to both movies and especially in Gremlins too. Yeah. Um, but that's what I think makes them like 
so memorable and really makes them classic. I yeah. think if they had played them straight, they might not have been the big hits that they were. Yeah. Or the I first always, movie was. I always like. think of like Roger Corman's quote, which I'll probably get a little wrong, but he says like slightly imperfect is man made. There you go. So like absolutely, I always look at these movies like like we said we we be talking about both of them at the same time. Yeah. So I try not to talk too much about the first one, but they seem like they're like cobbled together. It's kind of like right outside outside the frame you could see like something's falling apart or right. there's like a guy standing there with a, a puppet you know right but what the, what's going on in the frame is i always when i see the first and the second one i think like they just nailed it yeah like they let some like joe dante didn't design the gremlins right they let another guy just go off on his own and design it he nailed it yeah he got he came up with these iconic the mogwais yeah. and the gremlins he came up with these I- iconic yeah. Things that Rick Baker like built upon in the second one, and then like the story of Gizmo staying in the picture that Steven Spielberg wanted because originally Gizmo changed into just one of the Gremlins and that's where the story ended, and they had to kind of just make it work because they wanted to keep Gizmo in because he was so cute. Yeah. So, but well, even even, even that idea like that was like a last minute decision that they made, or however close to the end. They made it, and like that was brilliant. That like, and Joe Dante even says like that saved the movie. That was, yeah. and that was done like while they're making the movie. <laughs> so it's like it's such a little rickety thing, but every little decision they made along the way, like God, they nailed it. And I feel like the same way about this one too. Well, didn't you say so? You mentioned Rick Baker, who mm-hmm. we hadn't brought up before, comes in on this one. He didn't do the first one as the special effects guy. Right. Uh, the Mogwai looked better. Gizmo's yeah. a lot more expressive. Um, he wasn't as you said, built to be the main character. And it's of not the even last it's not movie. even a slam on the first guy. No, I not don't at know all. his name either, but I mean with technology, like this is five years later and in technology language that's probably like twenty years Well yeah, and, and also like you said, like like Gizmo was not built to be like the main character yeah. in that movie. Because in the end of the first one he has to save the day. They didn't build the puppet to ex- do that. They exactly. built him to like so his head So would pop this out one they knew going in Gizmo was gonna be our hero essentially. Right. So he's a much more expressive looking puppet all of the Mogwai are a lot more distinct yes. personalities. The gremlins look terrific. And that then, was definitely right. And then we get into the mutant gremlins, which are phenomenal. Yeah. Some, some like the, the gremlins themselves are great, and then they mutate into stuff that is also great. Like one becomes a bat gremlin. That right. looks, the design is awesome. Yeah. And talking about like the, the practical effects and like the, the imperfection kind of thing, too, is like... You kind of do, and didn't you kind of say like too, like um, a lot of what they did in this movie, in the story of the movie, was like what Rick Baker could do. Yeah, well, that's what I mean about like in the first one where they just let um, I can't, wish I could remember his name, but um, his Walius, his last name, something like that. But they let him just go off and design it, and he came back with these designs. Mm-hmm. And in this one, they kind of they Rick Baker obviously had a starting point because he was coming up with these gremlins, but they wanted them to have, in the first one, all the gremlins are just, you know, puppets that make noises. They look a little bit different and off, but they weren't, like, their own characters. And Rick Baker wanted to, like, create individual characters, which is great, because, like, Gizmo splits into, like, these different personalities. Mm-hmm. And all the designs are cool. Like, yeah. some are silly really and wacky, good. some are mean and mm-hmm. freaky looking. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they kind of worked that into the story, too. Like, Rick Baker's like, hey, I, like, literally, this is how they made the story. He's like, 
I'd like to design like a spider gremlin. They're right. Like, okay. Well, we'll have him eat a or right. drink a spider potion in the movie, and then make that into the story. Yeah, like, and that and he that's was kind of part of it. Right, and that's what I mean. And the first one has this too a little bit, where it's like, you know, if if they had done it like if they did it today, and that it was all CGI, you can do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like them just wanting to do things with these puppets and what they're able to do and what they're not able to do and what they want to try to push themselves to do, that creates all these little interesting yeah. bits and sequences. Like there's that long, admittedly probably a little overlong, sequence in the, the bar where you first get, in the first movie, where you first oh, yeah. get all the little bits with the gremlins kind of going nuts and what each little one is doing and they're yeah. playing pool and doing all this kind of stuff. And you just got the sense that this was just, you could just kind of see the filmmakers being like, well, can we get one on this table yeah. and move You know, it's funny because when I was listening to the commentary on the second one, they pretty much said kind of that. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was such a fun idea and it really spoke to who Joe Dante is as a director. And they said like during, at the end, I'm talking about the second one, at the end when all the gremlins are in the lobby and they're, it's, they just cut random gag here, there. They said they had like a big whiteboard and they just let anybody throw in an idea. Yeah. Like, what could a gremlin be doing? And it's like, whatever, like extras and stagehands. You could just go up to the board and write your idea Love on it. it. And then they would just look at it and be like, oh, there's a good idea. Yeah. There's a good one. So they have, like, the Wicked Witch of the West melting uh -huh. one. And they have a Phantom of the Opera one. It's, it's so very... So it's like Joe Dante didn't... He wasn't, like, a taskmaster. He was right. just, like, open to all this shit. Yeah. Not shit bad. I mean, like, awesome shit. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. But he, he was like he was the decision maker, so right. it wasn't just a free for all. But he had like good taste if he could pick out what would right. work. Right, and then and if they if, if even he went too far, you had Spielberg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, put, exactly. Had to put on the brakes a yep. couple of times, but um, yeah, it's like I. I he said that him and Spielberg both had the final cut. Yeah. So like even if something was in there that Joe Dante wanted, Spielberg could sure. take it. Out. Yeah, which so yeah, yeah, that's cool. But um. I, I th we said it's kind of like Looney Tunes. I also thought when you were saying that about all the little gags, because it is. It's so many little gags. Like 80% yeah. of this movie is just little gags and set pieces, like uh, with these puppets doing things. Uh, like I thought of like Mad Magazine. Yes. Yeah, or like yes. Will Elder. He's put like a like every there'd be the story. Every inch of the frame. Exactly. Is it, yeah. Like there'd be the story going on, but then in every little inch of it, you have little signs yep. and little funny things going on in the back. I always think about that with. Um, they do that in The Simpsons, and they really oh, do, that. Yeah. They do that in Futurama, too, mm. where they like, every part, everything going on in the background is something else that's going to pay off in a later episode. Right. Where it's like, there was something in the background of one scene, and then like two seasons later, they show what that was. Mm -hmm. They probably didn't have it planned out. In fact, I can guarantee they didn't have it planned out. But they're like going back and rewatching their own show and being like, oh, that could work and that right. could pay off later. And that's a fun idea. And like they're expanding on all these ideas. Yeah. I hate talking about ideas because now I feel like you're always saying, like, you just love ideas. No, you were. <laughs> I've always said this. We've probably, I don't know if we've said, I have a hard time remember what we've talked about on the podcast and what we've just talked about in real life. But like, I do feel like you respond more to like, unique and original ideas yeah. in movies. And I think I'm, that's why I like this I'm movie, I'm more too. of, like, an emotion kind of tonal guy, yeah. but, like, neither one is bad. I just feel and like... Lately, I'm more into, like, the story and the script and everything, yes. but I think as a kid, when I was watching those types of movies, that was where my headspace was at, mm -hmm. whereas I, I could watch a movie like this and just turn it on for five minutes and watch a bunch of gags or whatever, and then you don't have to follow the story at all. 
because it doesn't really matter. It's all about all the wacky stuff going on. Yeah. And you, you always know where you're at, too. Yeah. Well, I figured we would have a lot to say about Gremlins, too, so let's try to kind of, like, focus our discussion um, before we get into what we've already gotten into a bit, which is the background of this movie. Yeah. Um, and I probably just, gave away all my tidbits. We we both really like this movie, but do we want to maybe just call out um, some see, even individual moments or scenes or aspects or performances or whatever of the movie that particularly worked? And then maybe we can even talk about you know every movie. No movie is perfect. Yeah. Maybe what doesn't work about this movie. So like, what are some of your like what really worked in Gremlins? What's your like your standout favorite? stuff? Yeah. Like what what do you you really like? Well, about the this the. Movie? the Designs are what I yeah. remember, and the character designs of the Gremlins, I think they're just fantastic. Yeah, like they'd make like action figures or any whatever, like just beautiful art, basically. Yeah, that's why I like picture overall. I guess I mean I don't know if I could think of you, you name a scene that stands out to you. Maybe I'll oh well, I was gonna kind of say like the same sort of thing as you, which is like. Okay. Um, I thought you were thinking of like individual specific scenes. I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean what I because they come so fast and furious. What I remember from when I was a kid was definitely like the whole genetics lab yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, I thought that was great, um, and I loved all the different versions of the Gremlins. I thought yes. all that was really well done. They looked great. It was just a great idea. Um, yep. So it allowed them to be both just like cool from like a visceral monster movie, like with the spider gremlin, which looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you could have put that in a straight horror movie, and it would have been great. But then you also are able to do stuff like the intelligent gremlin <laughs> who can speak, you know, very well, and he goes on a talk show and explains yes. like what the gremlins want, yes. and and then of course the female gremlin, yes, which is like a whole nother thing, <laughs> um, because I'm pretty sure Robert Picardo either is raped and or yeah, he's he willingly, but at the end he <laughs> consented. But there was things. Oh, stuff happened. There, before. Stuff had clearly okay. been happening beforehand. Mm. Um, so there's some disturbing implications there, but we, we won't, won't go into that now. But yeah, I don't um, know what my little brain was thinking. Back as back. far as performances, <laughs> though, I like the the actor who was the um, the main the the industrialist. Oh, John Glover. Yeah, John Glover. Oh, yeah. that's the other thing. Okay, so you have to talk about like behind the scenes stuff at the same time. Too, yeah. A little well, bit. let's we can jump into I think behind okay. the scenes. Well, before we do that, actually, was there anything that you, you think doesn't really work about this movie? Like, where the there only thing I'll say that might not work kind of an overall thing it probably is a little too long mm -hmm. it pro like there's not enough story to stretch out and not enough gags the gags i think fortunately the jokes are like they age well because they're like those old looney tunes cartoons. yes those old it's looney tunes stick. cartoons yeah yeah they're like the looney tunes cartoons are brilliant yeah they're you not never just dumb falling you never know they either. were as old as they are either. yeah right and the looney tunes kind of that, and the looney tunes themselves were parodies right. of the disney cartoons like the disney was the real thing and then the looney tunes yeah, these are just like wacky versions were making of fun of it so they're very appropriate yeah. to gremlins so that's the gremlins like, favorite movie is snow white so but i agree with the genetics part too because that i always like that part of like it happens a lot in sci-fi and horror movies where something happens but maybe midway or like two-thirds of the way through that like flips the movie on its head. And I feel like that part, that probably happens like halfway through this movie where you think you're kind of up to a certain point, you're just like, okay, this is what the movie's going to be. Gremlins, Gremlins. I'm in. I'm in for it. Like that is def that helps. You have to be like, it's like they have to rope you in first before they can flip it on you. 
But once you get to that point, you're like, all right, this is cool. They're running amok in the building. And you're like, oh, shit. Right. Now something, now this completely exploded into another movie. Right. That is also the part that I remember. So I love that part of it. But yeah. I, like when the musical number, I like all these parts, but when the musical number starts going on, and there, I feel like there's kind of like four different endings too. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of had to pay off every, like, I think the guy you were talking about, John Glover, gives like three or four different speeches where you right. think like, okay. Done. Funny. Right. Got it. That was a perfect little button to end the movie with. And then they have another scene. And like they couldn't quite figure out where it ended. And it yeah. felt like, to me, it felt like it went on a little. I don't even know how long it. Is. I think probably like two hours. I yeah, I didn't even look. It doesn't. It but doesn't I think the first Gremlins is like maybe less than two hours. Like but it didn't feel like, like an that. Hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe just kind of this style of movie comedy is. It's hard. Like Judd Apatow can do it because he's yeah. got some kind of original story going on there, but. I mean, this is an original story, but the story is not what's pulling you through it. Um, but I don't think there's enough to kind of carry you through to the end. So that's a little minor criticism of it. I think I Other have, than that, I don't have a lot yeah, I, I that think, I hate about I it. I think you and I are at exactly the same like opinion about this movie as far well, as what length. works, what doesn't work. I would say less the length, and it's I have the same problem with Gremlins. It's like the movie's really charming and interesting as mm-hmm. they're introducing the characters, introducing the stakes. And once it's set the up, the first it doesn't go mutation anywhere. happens. The second mutation happens. In this movie, the third mutation happens. Yep. And then you start getting the fun gags, and they're fun. And this comes doing this, and this, and then you do start to get off. a little like. Okay, this is all it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And both movies have that a mm-hmm. little bit, which I think is maybe why the, they maybe had trouble being like, well, what's our big ending? Because it doesn't really add up to much. Although I will say the way they defeat yes. the gremlins in this movie was very narratively satisfying yes. and interesting, but that's not necessarily the end end of the movie. See, the first thing you said when you said like what like a criticism I have of it, I, the first thing I thought of sounds like it's really mean to the movie. And I don't want to be mean to the movie because I like it. But I kind of wanted to say that it's like hollow and yeah. em- and empty a little bit. Well, I think it is, and I don't. I don't like that's a, yeah. that's kind of a term I would use to like describe a movie that's boring or something or that I didn't like. But but this is a little like candy, like like the like Marvel Endgame or something where it's like, oh yeah, it's fun and it's oh, like disposable. I, I don't think, but it doesn't add up I to anything. I don't think <laughs> Joe Dante or Steven Spielberg would yeah. dispute that. Yeah, or anyone involved with. This yeah. is a fun, it's a good popcorn little movie. monster movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but I I do think that's why I, I think it's I definitely didn't feel this as a kid, but especially watching it now, I definitely have a different relationship. Yeah, that. you kind of like you want to remember what you loved about it, and you're mm-hmm. aware that it's sort of at least the first one, sort of a classic. And then you go to it, and it is good. Everything's well done, but you're like, why aren't I getting more out of this? And it yeah. it is just because there's not that much there. Mm-hmm. So it's a it is a minor criticism in a way, um, but I guess I'm kind of like I want I don't want maybe to like, I, maybe I'm thinking like in a way where it's like maybe it should have like a theme to it. Even, but I don't think it like, needs it doesn't to. have I, to have a theme. It's but. A, it's almost just like I just kind of want to kind of like not overpraise it. It's almost not yeah. even a problem. Well, I I love the original one too. I think yeah, it's, it's one of like they're pretty good. I hate to say it's like one of my movies, but God, I just keep yeah. every time I rewatch it. Like I rewatched it recently. See, now I have to say, as an adult, honestly, having you just rewatched the them, having to have want, having wanted to rewatch them for a long time, I did totally enjoy them. 
totally like, yep, Joe Dante is a genius. Love what they're yeah. doing here. Love the puppets. Love the practical. I remember when I loved his kids. I don't know if I'm going to be rewatching either of these for another okay. 10 years. <laughs> that's yeah. that's where we're going to have to diverge because yeah. I can watch these I, all I, the I suspect that's where I differ from a lot of Gremlins fans yeah. and that it's just, yeah, you know, I just, there's not enough there, you know, yeah. for me. Um, I respect them. I enjoyed watching them this time, but I don't know that I need to go back to the Gremlins, you know, real soon. It's hard for <laughs> me to tell if I just love kind of like the idea or like the mythology of all the gremlins that they created for the movies or if I like the movies themselves. Yeah. Because it's hard, like, I guess they could be a little boring I, watching them I think <laughs> the without a certain mindset. I think the creatures and the mythology are better than the movies themselves. Yeah. Although I think the movies themselves are very good. Yes. You I, know I, I think mean? that's probably true. Yeah. yeah I, I think I would stop just short of calling them great, which I'm sure is, I mean, gremlins is a beloved franchise, so it's, Sure, that's blasphemous to some people, but if you really objectively look at them as like a serious, yeah. <laughs> like film goer, which is maybe not how you should look at Gremlins, <laughs> but they they are they don't have a ton to offer beyond the virtues we've already laid out. Yeah, I think it's, it's like both of them. The first one, really in particular, is kind of like really geared towards me as like I like the little I like the imperfections, like I was talking about. I like how it looks like it's kind of homemade. And you can maybe see the strings a few times. Like I kind of like that. I find it like really charming. Would you say? Here's a question. Would you? Do you? Which do you prefer, Gremlins or Gremlins Two? I don't know, because I did watch the first one. They're so different. Yeah. I guess I'd say probably the second one, just because it has a little more to offer, in terms of like variety of stuff in it, and yeah. it's funnier. So like in terms of what it's setting out to do, I think it's probably. Yeah, the, it's a tough the, call. The first one's so good, though. It is good, and it's it's maybe a little bit more... I kind of feel like about the first Star Wars, I think because they didn't know they were a franchise yet, mm -hmm. it's a little bit more complete in and of itself. It's a little right. bit more narratively satisfying right. in and of itself. Um, it has a kind of charm to it. Whereas the second one is is more of a satire, and, part, and one of the things it's satirizing is the original the movie, one, yeah. which are also some of my favorite things. Yeah, about I it. guess maybe I'd have to... Yeah, see, I don't know. If you ask me on a different day, I might say a different one, because I, I, yeah, I would totally agree close. with that. Because now I do like movies that just kind of can end. And where I was talking about with the new batch where it just kept going on and on, didn't really know where it's anymore. Right. It doesn't really matter because you're not like waiting for what's the big payoff of right. Gremlins 2. And it the ending of really Gremlins matter. is kind of perfect. He comes and he yeah. takes good gives it's back. Like, it is like talking about the mythology. It's like a little fairy tale. It's about like this is what happened it's, this one time in yeah. a small town. Yeah. That's like... They were going for that throwback thing. Yeah, it really is like Star Wars and Empire because it's like, yeah, you know, that first Star Wars, I think that maybe is the best. But then it's like, well, fuck, you don't get like Boba Fett, though. Yeah. That's when it's like, well, yeah, but it's like, you know, well, that's why it's like Spider when Gremlin in the first <laughs> one. <laughs> that's like when, because when we're trying to talk about just the second one, it's like you have to talk about the first one because they're so closely related. They comment directly on a couple of things in the first one that I really want oh, to Oh, Leonard Maltin. Leonard Maltin. Yeah, all kinds of, well, and I like the scene with um, the scene with Phoebe Cates when she starts talking oh, about. Yes. <laughs> and I, yeah, that so, was the one that I laughed the most at when I rewatched it because yes. I'd forgotten about that joke. All right, let's get into whatever you have for behind the scenes genesis of this movie. Probably starting with um, the fact that Gremlins was a huge hit. Yeah, start with Gremlins ending. Like, so when I looked it up. I mean, this is stuff anybody can look up, but <laughs> it's interesting because the first one was like 
I'm going to estimate, like $10 million, I think it was. And then it made, it's still making money because yeah. they still show it, midnight shows. The classic. All over. And it's a Christmas movie, too. Yep. So, it, like, you can watch it on Christmas. And all which the time. horror fans love. Oh, yeah. They love to find the horror movie they can tie into every holiday. Yeah. You know, especially Christmas. So I you mean, have something to look forward to. Exactly. <laughs> Each yeah. month. If you're like a horror person, um, yep. that you wanna you want a horror. You don't want to watch It's a Wonderful Life. You want to watch Gremlins or Black Christmas yep. or something. So. so then that has grossed from ten. It grossed, I think, it was like 150 million. Yeah. So like huge, huge hit for little Joe Dante making like Roger Corman movies. And it was merchandised. Yep, it was which was not a well. It given was for more than merchandise. It just like exploded into the pop culture. Yeah. Now, like people who, like I was talking to our niece, ten years old, mm-hmm. she knew the rules. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Even if you don't even know the movie by heart, movie. you know what the rules yeah. are. You know what a mogwai is. Right. You know, gremlins are bad. Mogwais are good. Yep. If you do this, they do that. So it more than just more than just that, it just exploded into the pop culture, and it just became it broke through and became like. Something everybody and their grandma knows, you know. But then this one, so they were trying to make it for a long time, and people kept pitching the standard sequel idea that you think of, which is just like more of the same, except now we have a bigger budget, and now let's make like, now we can have more gremlins. Right. Okay, I could see that how that could be an interesting movie, but it wasn't really like coming together. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like they... They forgot that the, like the key thing holding it together was Joe Dante. Yeah. Because they kept trying to put it together with other directors and sure. other writers, and then they'd pitch something to Joe Dante, and he'd be like, "I don't want to make that movie." Because he said multiple times, like, "If you're not into the movie, it's totally like a bad relationship." Yeah. Well, and like, the other don't get the, into the it. other part of this origin story um, is that he Gremlins was a very difficult movie to make. Yes. <laughs> so that's kind <laughs> oh, of where oh, I see where you're going. You're well, leading yeah. to the. <laughs> Well, no, but I just want to kind of, like, set up, like, this is why Joe Dante... It's not like Joe Dante was, like, this is, like, his dream to make a second Gremlins movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he did not have a great No, experience. he just wanted to make movies. Yeah. So he just used, like, whatever was available. And Gremlins 2 would probably not have been his first choice to right. do after Gremlins. Well, it wasn't. He made movies in between. Because right. this one came, like, I think five years, almost six years Quite later. Quite a long time. So, yeah, this is 1990. And so after all that, the studio finally just, like, they were like, we got to make a Gremlins movie. Like, we're sitting on this The property. window was closing, yeah. potentially. They're sitting on this Many other studios mine. were putting out oh, yeah, movies. The copycat ones. And those movies were already getting sequels in the time between Gremlins right. and Gremlins 2. So <laughs> right, there had been, like, critters, what, three ghoulies between? Ghoulies, all yeah. these other little creatures. So. so then finally the studio was just like, please, Joe Dante, do it again. Make us a movie again. And so they gave him, like, a budget for, I think it was $50 million. So that's way more than 10 from the first time. And then, of course, it bombs and got $40 million. Right. So, like, in movie language, that's a huge bomb. Yeah. But, so he, um, you're try- you were thinking of that quote, right? Well, I right? like that anecdote that you told me. Oh, I forget where I heard it. I think it's on one of the, maybe the one of the commentaries I heard. Or it's some interview with him. And he, they asked him, like, what was the idea? Like, where did this idea for Gremlins 2 come from? Like, what is the genesis of this? this? Like, it's such a weird sequel. And then after it bombs, people are like, what were you thinking? Like, in retrospect, you look like an idiot. Like, why did you make this crazy movie? And he just he said something to the effect of he wanted to make a movie 
were to ensure that there would never be a Gremlins 3. <laughs> and I just thought, <laughs> I've always remembered that because it sounds kind of funny, but it's like, that is like a good attitude to go into I any it. movie with. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's almost like you're in like a flow state. You just yep. don't care about anything else. You're like, I'm making my own movie however I want. I also and feel that's what, totally what this movie yeah. feels like. And I also feel like there's just something like so... Like the reins have been taken off. Yeah, and th- there's also just something so rebellious and anti-corporate yeah. and kind of naughty well, he about came that. Through, he came through the Corman school, so yeah. you put them in like a corporate Steven Spielberg world. Like, like he's literally trying to kill yeah. a, a franchise. Yes. You know, like <laughs> deliberately. Like that is... Awesome. So needless to say, it bombed, <laughs> and also needless to say, it became a cult classic. And needless so to like say, there is no Gremlins 3 to this day. Yeah, he, he succeeded <laughs> so, in that. So in that, Joe Dante was successful. No, I just love that quote. I think it just applies. Like, every filmmaker, before going into their movie, should think that. Not that they should destroy the franchise, but just in a way where it's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, yeah. get every other thought out of it. That's yeah. how I interpret it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an anti-franchise movie. Yeah. You know, it's it's the opposite of what they. Well, do. they're totally ripping apart the old movie too. Yeah. They're making fun of the rules in yeah. the second one. They're it's, making fun of Phoebe. Yeah, King's it story. really is. That's what they're it totally, is. They're like the second one is like a gremlin to the first one. It's like tinkering yeah. around and taking it's apart. It's an anti-franchise movie, and that's why there'll never be another sequel like yeah. this. You so know in a way, I mean? like he perfectly did it. He took apart. The yeah, he he achieved his goal. Yeah. So yeah. he made a the perfect two little like double yeah. features. Yeah, I love Joe Dante. Like, oh, well, he's a cool I, he was kind of on the periphery of me knowing his films because I feel like I've seen I've seen like a lot of his movies, not even realizing it was him. Right. Because I don't know if he has like the a strong of a director stamp yeah. as other directors. Like you do. wouldn't necessarily think. You wouldn't the think like, oh, this is a Joe Dante came movie from the guy who did Gremlin. But the more I the more I see, the more respect I have for him because I just recently watched Piranha, yeah, which I thought was great. It, and that's like a satire on Jaws. It's right. Like, it's like a parody movie, in a sense. He's a, a movie sense. lover. He's a monster oh, yeah. kid, and that sensibility comes through in all his movies. Even yeah. The Howling, you know, there's all the. It's almost like every one of his movies becomes like a cult classic. Because I saw Matinee yeah. too. Yeah. And Matinee is like a movie. I barely remember but you go back and revisit it like how how did a studio even allow this thing to get right (laughs) right it's like he just wanted to make whether it's like commercially successful or not it's like a fluke that gremlins was so commercially successful it was like an accident yeah but beautiful accident yeah i love gremlins yeah and gremlins too well any other kind of behind the scenes facts or i kind of gave them out as we were going along i mean the other big thing about this one is of course where you mentioned rick baker because he kind of took over the design and really he really like brought it to another level mm-hmm. so uh, and they brought him in on the script oh the other thing i wanted to mention which i've been freaking singing in my head the last five days <laughs> oh, is the, the damn gremlins that theme, little tune which is amazing because i love it yeah and it can like oh and um the story they told about that i'm just repeating their stories but whatever i like it is they gave it to Jerry Goldsmith, who did the composing of it, and they basically they described the movie, movie to him. They're like, this is kind of like a kid's horror movie. Not even like a kid's, but like it's a horror movie. And they said they were expecting to come back like crazy, dark horror movie. Like right. Imposing stuff. And they said he came back with like this weird circus theme. Uh-huh. And I was like, again, thinking nailed it. This music 
nailed it. Yes. Like, that theme song is so iconic yep. and, and so it's a, perfect a for central, it. You can't imagine Gremlins without and the, it. the little theme pops up again and again in the movie in, like, different uh-huh. like, tempos. And, like, when the spider's attacking them, it becomes a horror theme. Yeah. Like, it goes a little slower, like... Bum, 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 right. Like it's so like that's what I like. Like the dark things presented in kind of like yeah. a fun, silly way. Yeah, it's perfect. Like it's, God, I love that. Music. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect, <laughs> and it does set. Like the people tone. talk about the Halloween theme being so memorable, mm-hmm. and like to me, the Gremlins theme is just like God. Yeah, I can't get that out of my head. I was the same way after I saw the movie recently. I was like kind of going. Through I was at work the last three because I rewatched the first one. I'm at work and I'm just like humming this to myself mm-hmm. in my head, like bum, 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 bum. like oh, it's great. Well, so you listen to the commentary on Gremlins too, and that I listen to both of the commentaries. Joe Dante does both of those. Yeah, he's on both. So does he talk about? Because one scene that I loved in. Um, Gremlins 2 that I mentioned is that scene where Phoebe Cates yeah. begins to oh, tell... Oh, yeah. Actually, it's, yes. They it's, do talk about that a lot. It's making fun of a scene in the first yes. movie. So, so Fee- in the first movie, Phoebe Cates tells this story about how her father died on Christmas in this bizarre tragedy. Yes. <laughs> and in this movie, they parody that. Yep. She begins to tell a story about something that happened to her on Abe Lincoln's birthday. But the, the other characters kind of roll their are rolling their eyes and they right. interrupt her and they're like, "We don't really have time for this." And the like the lighting dims behind her. It's right. like she's giving a speech. So the they're class. full on <laughs> making fun of their yes. own movie, like just viciously mocking yes. it. And I love that scene just because they're doing that, and also because if I'm going to find a big criticism of Gremlins, that scene is what the fuck is that scene? <laughs> First of all, I want to know if there's any information from the commentaries or anything that you came across one why that scene is in that yep. first movie in the first place yep, because it seems bizarre and out of place i actually forgot about that but they do talk and about that a lot <laughs> what was their idea behind the parody the par- well there's more to say about like the first one okay that the, sec- on, the second I'm one is just like about that like, the second one they're just saying like well people talk so much about this we had to make fun of okay it. so that's pretty much the second one but the first one is, I mean, it's it, it's interesting to hear what, like, Joe Dante, like, he didn't write it. Right. But this was his kind of idea in why he had to stay. Okay. Basically, everybody hated that scene, I'm, just like you. I, I'm just I'm a little, kind it. of a little more indifferent it's towards bizarre. it. Like, it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't seem that crazy to me. There's just so but much his, about it that doesn't work. But His okay, idea behind keeping it in, because even Steven Spielberg wanted it. So it was too. in the original script. Yeah. Which oh, yeah. was a dark. Well, I don't know. Originally. Like, I don't know if it's in the original script because the original script was Chris Columbus. Yeah. But it was like a spec script, and okay. they said it was definitely much darker. Yeah. And like, there were like, I think the mom gets beheaded and stuff like that. Oh God. Okay. And like the head rolls down the stairs. And, like, oh. That okay. that type of humor was going on. Like it wasn't straight on horror. Yeah. It was like but it was very dark. Splat stick. Humor. Yeah. Okay. Um. But then Gizmo kind of turned it into a little yeah. more. Funny, fuzzy, and and friendly. Spielberg's <laughs> sensibility too, I think. So yeah, that was like Chris Columbus did that original. So it wasn't even like a full story. So I don't mm-hmm. even. I think they said that that was in the original story. I don't remember, but it wasn't the original script. Like they were gonna film it, and it was gonna be in the movie. It wasn't like something they threw in. Yeah. Uh, but Joe Dante, is, he, he was more like practical about it, which is kind of how I feel about it a little bit too. He's like. Well, a lot of people see it as, like, silly and weird and just, like, why would you put it in there? But he said, like, from her perspective, it's it, – like, he said it's kind of symbolic of the movie. 
if you told it to somebody, it sounds ridiculous. Right. But to Phoebe and her character, that was like a real thing that happened. It uh-huh. was like real, like from her perspective, it was really dark and really oh, weird and sure. twisted. So like those are like the two sides of the coin that they're trying to present. Sure. That makes sense. I just feel like whether a it, random whether scene, it works or not, a random scene in the middle of Gremlins is not the place to explore that. Yeah cinematic idea <laughs> of the dichotomy between the tragic and I have ridiculous. a feeling I, well they just they talk a lot about how everybody hated it yeah. and how Joe Dante wanted it to stay okay. in the movie. Alright. So I feel maybe a l- little bit of that is him with his you know going against the grain digging in sure. Okay. he found one thing because he talked a lot about like stuff Steven Spielberg took out of the movie mm-hmm. like stuff that worked and stuff that he wanted to keep in but I guess Spielberg had the final cut yeah. or they both did but I guess Spielberg had the final, final Yeah. Cut. I think Spielberg always so had the final, <laughs> final cut. So a lot of that stuff didn't stay in, and that might be one where he kind of dug his heels in. He's like, no, we're keeping this. Okay. This is that was the hill he, he, like, this that was the hill he decided up. to die on, yeah. was this weird scene. So it's probably a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. People, people absolutely hated it, because I think they, they even mentioned when they, every screening they gave to the studio, the studio's response was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is this is great. This movie is going to blow the roof off. You guys did an amazing job. Once we take out that scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's and then, why So he, I think oh, Joe yeah. Dante was more of Oh, the, yeah. He just rebe- rebel without yeah. a cause a little bit. Yeah. Okay, I get it. That makes so then sense the me. second one maybe is kind of him like, uh, maybe that wasn't the place to plant my flag. He's know? being a good sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he realizes he, everyone else yeah. was right. He was wrong. He's being a good sport. So that. Those are the two Good aspects of it. One, he has like a practical maybe after the fact thing that he made up, which I think kind of makes sense to me a little bit. Because I like that stuff. I like like really dark things like presented kind of uh-huh. like seen through a different lens. You know, I, I do sometimes it, too. It's tough to do though. It's, it's it, tough it to is in a off. weird spot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> in a, it's in a weird movie. I feel it's like almost it like the movie like hits the brakes and stops there. It's bizarre, and then picks it up again and goes. Back. Yeah, I don't know what I made of it when I was a kid, but it's, I, I did think it was funny that they parodied. And it. also the second one, he felt bad because he felt like they didn't have a lot to do. He's like, I can't cut it out either because it's like this is Phoebe's big, <laughs> this is her speech that she finally gets to give, and she gets to act right, and do something. And right, I can't get rid right, of this. Right. So in a way, it's kind of him being nice to. It. So yeah, there's a lot yeah. of factors at work here. Okay, all right. Kind of the, what, the gist of what I get. Okay, well, I find that interesting. It doesn't redeem the original scene in my mind, <laughs> no. but I, it, Joe Dante himself has already redeemed it by by good naturedly yeah, yeah. poking fun at his own movie. Yeah. So Gremlins Two makes fun of Gremlins a lot, but they also make fun of people who didn't like Gremlins. So yes. we have um, one of my favorite sequences is the guys having the conversation that all of us smart asses have had. Like, well, they can't eat after midnight, but what if they're on a plane and cross time zones? And these smarmy guys are not believing Billy, not taking this third seriously, laugh about it. And then, of course, a grandma, like, pops out of the console and, like, sticks to eat the guy. It's just, it's so funny. they get food caught in their teeth. Yeah. Well, in the commentary of the first one, too, Joe Dante's talking about that, where he's like, after the first movie, that is the one thing that kids kept picking out. They were just like, <laughs> "What about the time zones? Right. What? What? How long after right. midnight? Can you do kids, it at four a.m. or five a.m.?" Kids love that or, kind of stuff. Yeah. They love the rules. But it was so staff. like he was just trying to present like a fairy tale. Yes. And then he would go to like screenings afterwards, and those are the questions he kept yes. getting. So in a way, it's kind of his like 
fuck you to the fans. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but again, good natured. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's got these strong And then just have like a gremlin and just like, like well, explode what, out of Like, yeah, why is the gremlin in the console? What if they change time zones? I'm like, this monster jumps out of So I love that part. And then, of course, Leonard Moulton appears. Yep. Um, Another good sport. A great sport. And he appears because he. Yeah. Did not give a favor. He was one of the few people to give it a bad review because yeah. the first one was such a huge hit. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he didn't like it. So I feel like that's Leonard Moulton not taking himself too seriously. Yeah. That's Joe Dante not taking himself too that seriously. That to me is very like Mad Magazine stuff. Yeah. It's just like everybody's in on it. Let's just all make as many jokes as we like. It's Or like Seinfeld. I remember that like Seinfeld said in making a show like, no drama. We don't care about the stories. The comedy rules. Yeah. We're just, we want an excuse to tell jokes. Yeah. The comedy leads. And that's what this movie does. This And I would say gags rather yeah. than jokes. And gags well, in yeah, the Well, yeah, it's, it's more Looney Tunes. And gags like. in the broadest sense. Like a gag can even be like like the the Batgram one is a gag. You yeah. Know, that's like a movie like moment, something they were able to pull off with special yeah. effects. Like that is what these movies are all about. And it um, flies out the window or it flies out the building and it makes the bat symbol oh that was <laughs> like, yeah I like that. and it also kind of reminds me of where the culture was at at that time because like those Batman yeah. movies were so popular but yes because like burton came out just burton's first well, it would have been the year, the year before, before. Yeah. yeah so also warner brothers well it was warner brothers yeah. yeah so that's why he's reading dc stuff too okay okay I, I do do they ever talk about was it hard for them to get I'm just grilling you now basically about the commentary. Well, I could just say you could just listen. To was that. it hard for them <laughs> to get the rights for? What, did they have to convince the studio to have the Gremlins be watching Snow White since it was Warner Brothers, or was that not a problem? No, I don't think. No, it wasn't. It was different back then. Yeah. Um, I, they didn't mention anything. Okay. They didn't say I, kinda, anything. I mildly was curious about that. They didn't that. say anything about that, but they did say something about one of the movies that Gizmo was watching. Okay. Because it originally was like a Warner Brothers movie that uh-huh. he was watching. I forget what it was. Yep. But then, again, Joe Dante wanted to dig his heels in. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, it has to be this movie oh, that Gizmo's watching. Yes. But, of course, it was owned by another studio. And then they basically said, like, well, they had a question about that. Why would you? Why can't we just use this one because we own it? And he said that he wanted this movie. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just pay for that one then. Yeah. So I don't – it wasn't as, like – Battling over the rights or the characters, yeah, I was just, or the yeah properties. I didn't think other rights things. would be a problem. I just wondered if Warner Brothers was like, eh, can't we put one of our movies rather than like a? Disney you know, they movie? probably. I, I'm thinking they did. Yeah, but in the end, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. I don't it. think people were like as protective of no. their properties. No, it was definitely different. Because I mean, even think of the year. Before that, I guess would have been Roger Rabbit, right? And they all got all worked Disney together. Disney and yeah. Warner yeah. all together in the same right. boat, right? And I think it, it was just like they kind of wanted to put pool their assets, basically. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. It was a less polarized time in all aspects of yes. society. Um, <laughs> so right. they don't mention specifically Snow White. But I, have, I, I, I have, think it's probably I have the same one more thing. question, and then we can give our final thoughts before we do um, Beyond the Dive. Oh, you didn't get to talk about John Glover though. He's, oh. Uh, well, I just think he's great in this movie. Yes. I loved his character. So he plays like the um, the I keep I want to say industrialist. He yeah. calls himself a developer, but he owns this building, this this unique future. He's like a millionaire entrepreneur with all of these different departments and and yeah. things going on. They said he's supposed to be kind of like a Ted Turner. Yeah, and he has his office above the clouds, as yes. you pointed out. 
And but I love him because like the obvious way to go with like a character like that, and this is a, a satire of corporate culture. The obvious way to go with a character like that would make him heartless and evil. But Danny Glover plays it like he's just this John wide, Glover. John Glover, sorry, yes. yeah. He just um, he's just almost like boyish. Like he just loves being. That's what they said. A billionaire. <laughs> he's just having a, a blast when Billy says like, you know, okay, well I'm gonna stay in here and try to get the gremlins down to yep. the lobby. And he, he's like, well, what, how do we make it night outside? He's like, well, that's what you have to take care of. He says this oh, I get Glover's to do something? character. He's like, oh, great. I love that. Okay, here's what we're going to do. So, yeah, well, that, that's what totally they said. into it. I, that's what they said. Like, charming. He, there's another pointing to how Joe Dante can, like, absorb things like Rick Baker and uh-huh. let them kind of have their own little playground. Originally, he was, like, the stereotypical that's, guy. Right. And John Glover came on the set. And they're like, this guy's so dynamic. Like, we have to have the, him become part of the plot. Yes. Now. And he has to kind of help. It's just like how Gizmo had to stick around to save the plot. Right. He started, like, his performance. They're like, he's like a little a kid that never grew up. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he is very serious about business, and he has yeah. an ego, and, you know. But, but yeah. He's but you could see how that guy could be in that position and why he would have a personality like, like that. Like, in a way, he's kind of obnoxious, but he's also kind of charming because yeah. he's not a bad guy. He's just really yes. into, like, building this business and enterprise yeah. and adventure and doing the next So, basically, thing. like, his performance kind of convinced them, like, oh, no, this could be something different. Yeah, actually. that was a great. Like, you wouldn't know until the guy got on the set. Well, that was my favorite performance in the movie. Okay. You know, <laughs> and there wasn't, like you said, there's not a lot going on acting-wise. Yeah. But that, his was my favorite performance probably in both movies well i like millions of boys um have a crush on phoebe so i love phoebe yeah oh yeah she's terrific yeah, yeah. well we said she and zach galligan galligan they're both great good looking yeah. kids but their careers did not last too much beyond this era um it happens it happens yeah <laughs> okay the last thing i was going to ask you is like did they talk about hulk hogan in the commentary because why is hulk hogan in Gremlins 2. They, no, they don't really mention He must have just been so popular in the culture yeah. at that time that yeah. they're like, how do we get out of this situation where the Gremlins like break the film? Which yeah. is a very funny fourth wall moment in the movie. They didn't really mention specifically why. Okay, that was... Hulk Hogan. It's they were more talking about like the TV version versus the film version. Uh-huh. You know, like how they had to re-edit it, whatever. Yeah, weird. It was weird but, to me. You know, it's, it's funny like that because like <laughs> if you think about like sketch comedy... And, like, what this kind of is parodying, you could throw in a random thing like Hulk Hogan or have just random pop culture guy, and he'd just be there and gone, and then you move on to the next gag. But here it's, like, immortalized in a film. Yeah. So, like, comedies of that era that are going for this type of comedy, it has to be, like, more broad. Yeah, When it throws in something, like, as specific as Hulk Hogan, it's it's weird. I think it works, but it's weird because... Just like it's immortalized. Like Hulk Hogan <laughs> now doesn't resonate in the way. No, that Hulk I mean, Hogan he means did. something totally yeah. different. He's like so, reality film star. Yeah, so maybe it wouldn't TV have seemed show. like such a bizarre choice. It's just yeah. like, oh, here's a big personality yeah. that everybody knows that's really popular that we can. Who would be the funniest tough guy right. to, to yell at? And where if you're, if you're reading Mad Magazine, that stuff happens sure. all the time. It's not really meant to. For rewatchability, right, you know, so right, right. That's why I think it probably comes across as really weird. Yeah, it does. Also, stand there out aren't any other types of jokes like that. Right. Like it does. The jokes don't come across as. Well, there aren't any other games. celebrity cameos. Yeah. It's like well, the Leonard Maltin's in it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So there's two. There's a lot of. But see, the Leonard Maltin one makes sense to me because but he has um, John Aston in it too from um, Adam's Family. He's the janitor. 
And he has that other guy. Yeah, but I don't know that the that. That's just Joe Dante likes old. Films. Exactly. He's like he's like. <laughs> they weren't meant character. to be regular. Yeah, it's not so much like. He's not like he shows up as Gomez Adams or something. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. All right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I was going to say give our final kind of take on this movie, but obviously, obviously we recommend if people see this on a dive. Thinking back to our other episodes, I think this is probably my favorite of all the ones we've done. Maybe. Favorite movie. Maybe. I've, I have no short-term memory, so I don't remember any of the other movies we've talked about for <laughs> well, the show. I'll tell you. It's the best. <laughs> Trust me. But, uh, no, I was really excited. I've been wanting to rewatch both Gremlins movies for a while, so this is the part. When you, we were talk, batting around a few ideas for this episode, when you mentioned, oh, we could do Gremlins 2, yeah. I was like, we're doing Gremlins 2. Well, because okay. we, like, the, our original idea to do this is, like, just go out and find some weird thing for cheap. Um, so find a good movie for cheap. Yeah. And I always think of it as something like recently, what you're recently into. And this one, I had done that. I bought this for super cheap because the Blu-ray is not really readily available. Which is bizarre. There must be a story behind that. or hopefully I did eventually get it on Blu-ray in yeah. like a weird dumb pack yeah. or whatever, but it doesn't have like a good release. It's bizarre. But I found this like a few years ago. So I've had this in my collection for a while. And so I've kind of like kept it in the back pocket. Like, you know, one day we could do Gremlins 2. Yeah. Because <laughs> I... I always want to talk about that movie. Like the you've seen that Key and Peele sketch too, right? I don't know on Gremlins. Gremlins two? Oh no! I don't oh, I was so. gonna mention. <laughs> I assumed you saw it. Oh, they have one. It, I'm gonna put it in our our Facebook. Well, people people probably know about it because it's pretty famous. I love Key and Peele. I have Jordan, not seen the Jordan Peele plays like the script doctor or whatever, some flamboyant script script uh-huh. doctor when they're trying to come up with ideas for Gremlins two. He's like, just throw out whatever dumb idea you have, and one's like. Oh, it could be electric gremlin. It's like, not only is it awesome, it's in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves. They leave the meet. He leaves the meeting, and they're like, "Okay, guys. Uh, okay, so we know none of that's going to be in the movie, right? Okay, let's go on." <laughs> and then it ends with like a postscript. Is like all of that is in the movie. <laughs> oh, that's great. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you don't know. No, well, I will. I promise. I'm on the record. I will find this and put it on our social media. Oh, it's media. on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. Oh man, I almost feel like we should. You're like, what about if a gremlin dresses up as a girl and starts making fun of him? I love it. It's in the movie. Like, <laughs> he just loves every idea and puts everything in. Oh, that's so. Fu- that's such a specific uh, parody oh, yeah. for them yeah. to do. Yeah. Oh, well, that's like the extra chapter of Gremlins yeah. 2. I, I was assuming. I thought maybe you told me about that one. No, <laughs> there's so many Key and Peele sketches. Oh, I that's love, great. That's but I have not seen that one. So if they, when they do do the the deluxe Blu-ray release of Gremlins 2, because I do feel like it is a cult classic. It has a oh, bomb they should at the time. That. They should include that because. I love that they did it on Gremlins 2. That's so specific. He's like the script sequel doctor or something. Oh, man. <laughs> I almost feel like we should have a little bit of that audio at the end of this episode, but I'll leave that oh, to Oh, they'll our, flag you I'll leave that. that to our producer. Yeah, they probably would flag that. We don't need that. <laughs> um, okay, so anything else on Gremlins 2, the new batch, or even Gremlins? I'm exhausted probably, on Gremlins. Yeah, that's we were gremlined out. Do you, would you like to see a Gremlins 3? Nope. Let it end. Yeah. No, I think if you, again with the ideas... <laughs> If you come up with a new one, you need some specific take on it. Because this is like, the second one broke open the formula. So you need something brand new. Yeah. You can't, it's not something that you would reboot in the sense where it's just like remake the first one. There would be absolutely no point, like most remakes are unnecessary. Right. Gremlins, anything you would improve, like... People like the old one because, like, the puppets. Yeah. What would you, what would be the 
best part about having a movie like that nowadays. This is where you have better special effects. Right. And you have better. You but can, we don't really want CGI. special effects. Yeah, you don't. It's it's like it works without it. Yeah. It doesn't need that type yeah. of stuff. And I always like. Some film reviewer I heard, it's not necessarily true, but I think you should only remake bad movies hmm. because basically, you know, you can only improve on it. Yeah. You should, if it, a good movie exists, you probably shouldn't remake it. Yeah. I don't always agree with that, but I think it's kind of a good rule of yeah. thumb to stick to. Gremlins is so, like, kind of leave it alone. Yeah. So that, like, well, I guess that's my defense for not making a reboot of it. And if there was a three, it's kind of, it's Joe Dante's thing. So yeah. if he had an idea for it, I think he probably could do it. I don't yeah. think he wants to. But. Yeah, I I, get, I think I'm kind of with you. Um, I It's also almost like too much time has passed, too. They were kind of like their own little... Yeah, but then you got that 20-year nostalgia loop thing going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um yeah, I think I'm the same as you. I, I, I don't, I'm not convinced that... I the, wouldn't run out to see a Gremlins. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced that a corporate movie culture exists that would allow Gremlins, a yeah. good Gremlins 3 to get made. Well, Certainly well, they're not going to let Joe Dante come in and ruin the franchise. Even know? nowadays with any type of movie where it's like fed through the computer process, even yeah. dramas, like every, even if it was Practical Puppets, there would be CGI fixture going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Like, and I, I would be okay with that, but I, I do think if... But you wouldn't get as many of the little, like, blemishes. Yeah. And, and oh, no, it would have to be the critical elements if I was going to be interested in a Gremlins 3. Because there probably will be one one day. Yeah. Well, they're always you'd talking about You'd have to have Joe Dante. Not even necessarily directing. Right. But like you'd have to have him involved, involved at least yeah. as a producer. Like, Joe Dante would have to be involved. And you would have to have majority, practical, real gremlins real yeah. puppets you know otherwise it's not gremlins and even then it pro- probably wouldn't work but those two elements would have to be there just when you say gremlins 3 i just know that my reaction is what conjures in my head i'm like i yep. do not want to see that. let it lie whatever i'm picturing i don't want to see but if they've got a better idea than what i've got in my head then go ahead and make it but well, what we have is... Two I'm picturing something not good. What we have is two pretty great movies. I would say mm-hmm. two of the best monster movies ever made. They're not your typical monster movies, but they're unique, they're funny, they're great horror movies for kids. That's when I started watching horror, yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I think kids should watch horror. Yeah. Um, I think kids can take way more than what yeah. people think. I, yeah, I, th- I don't want to go on that a whole rant a here, weird. but they should always be watching a little bit above their age level, reading a little right. bit above their age level. Don't be so concerned about content, you guys, you know, to the parents out there. But yep. anyway, Gremlins <laughs> Are you saying I shouldn't show Gremlins to my 10-year-old No, niece? you definitely <laughs> should. That's the perfect audience for it. No, I know. It's Gr- perfect. Gremlins 2, the new batch, great movie. Everyone grab it. Don't even – I'm not even going to, like, say – I know we're running long, but I'm not even going to say grab it if you see it on a dive. I'm, like – Go deliberately looking for it. You should own it. You really should, should have Gremlins and Gremlins 2, the new batch. They should one. just have like them as like a collection. It's bizarre Somebody that, get the yeah. rights to both. Well, I feel like an Arrow needs to put out something. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Yeah. Or, something. or even like Screen Factory. Could yeah, have, so, like, yeah that's what I mean. Like one of those kind of companies. Yeah. So. Great movie. Well, it's a good thing that I don't have a lot to say about my... Yeah, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a short beyond the dive segment this episode because as I suspected, we had a lot to say about Gremlins too. 
Um, but I so think for something that I describe as hollow, there's a lot to say. Exactly. Well, you know, it's like people say, like, oh, well, it's all style and no substance, but sometimes style counts for a lot. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, you know, this is the first Joe Dante movie we've talked about. We can go a little long on this one. So, um, But um, now that we have said what we need to say about Gremlins 2, uh, you can turn us off. <laughs> we do have our Beyond the Dive segment. So this uh, we like to do at the end of every episode. Um, we, you know, are always reading, watching, looking forward to other things, uh, Jordan and I individually. So this yep. is just kind of the part of the show where we throw it open and talk about anything else that's kind of caught our interest lately, recommendations, stuff we're looking forward to, even interesting trailers or books, whatever. So Try to keep it somewhat related to, like, the cult yeah. Movie-ish. Oh, we are well, supposed to? Okay. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> we kind of do anyway. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. To me, this is just kind of like a little bit of free-for-all okay. kind of thing. But yeah, whatever. <clears throat> Go for it. You want me to do mine first? How much do you have to say? Not much. I don't have a lot either. Go mine on. is a brief recommendation. Okay. Oh, man, this is going to be like whiplash after Gremlins. Is yours sort of horror-y Gremlin-related? I, yeah, probably. Do yours first, because mine's going to be too much of a contrast. Well, you don't want to end with the uh, unrelated All thing. right. So... <laughs> I want you to bring them back. So okay, that's <laughs> after fair. you lose the audience, I gotta bring them. So back. I this movie, I'm gonna just mention a little movie. This is one of these little movies that I just kind of stumbled across. An indie darling. It is a little bit okay. of an indie darling. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, and it's just kind of one of these movies. It, I I was not familiar with the director. His name is Keith Berman. This is a Canadian okay. film. It just kind of showed up in some of my feeds. The trailer. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. It was kind of in the back of my mind, and then I forgot about it. This is a recent movie. Okay. Um, like came out this year? Yes. Or a year before? Yeah, maybe. either 2018, 2019, depending okay. on how the release happened. Yeah. Um, it's called Giant Little Ones. Um, okay. I, I saw the it. trailer a while back. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to keep that one in mind. Kind of forgot about it. Then I noticed it was on YouTube. You can watch okay. Sidebar, yeah. you can watch movies on YouTube. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm an old person. And Key and Peele. Yes. So, um, yeah, so it popped up like, oh, movies you might be interested Giant Little Ones. So I was like, oh. Yeah, I'm gonna After what? You watched the Fantastic Four? Uh, yeah, I don't know how they thought I might be in the, well, I Somehow the algorithm read your mind. So this is not a genre movie. Okay. This is Oh um, then I wish I hadn't said that. This is a regular <laughs> just um the only star is Kyle McLaughlin, who is okay. great in this. Twin Peaks Kyle. Yep, great in this. And um He doesn't do a lot of movies. No, he's very good in this. And it he's it really was good um so it's it's a teen movie, but it's not your typical like teen movie. Okay. So it's about these two boys. They're like best friends. They're in high school. I don't know exactly. They're seniors, juniors, freshmen, whatever. Okay. But they're like popular kids. Both have girlfriends. They're b- really best friends, close best friends. Um, and the one, the main character for his seventeenth birthday, he has a big party, and all the kids are, and they have a big, they're all drinking and partying, you know. So it kind of seems like at first typical teen movie stuff. And then late that night, um, the the boy, the main character, is supposed to hook up with his girlfriend for the first time, who he, he's kind of into, but kind of not really. Uh-huh. That ends up not happening because of circumstances. And he and his best friend have a sexual encounter. Okay. And that's not been their relationship previously. Where's Kyle all. McLaughlin factor in? Kyle Are McLaughlin pays, plays the the father of the the main character. Okay. So after the boys have this experience, it's not explicit or anything. You don't even really quite know what happened until like later in right. the movie, but you know something. But you happened. have an idea. Yeah, you you get you it. You get the gist you, of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So they have this experience, 
you know, which happens to teenagers. Um, and then immediately the other boy, so, like, there's the main character and then his best friend. His best friend, like, kind of turns on him. He gets becomes very closed off. I was almost going to predict where it was going to yeah, go, I mean, I was going to say that. Yeah, he does. He gets, like, very, like, aggressive right. and, and mean and 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 cuts off the friendship. The other boy is upset about that. And then the main character also kind of has a connection to his best friend's sister, and they kind of start sort of dating, and she's got her own story. And that's just kind of what the movie's about. It's just kind of about the emotional consequences of this one kind of innocent encounter between these two kids. And what I really liked about it, beyond the fact that it's just really well written, really well done, really well acted. Did the director write it? That I'm not sure. Okay. And he's I'm not familiar with this guy. He only did one movie before this, not a movie I've ever heard of. What's the movie? I don't remember okay. what it's called. Um, I, I, haven't, just, I haven't heard of this one. Yeah, Giant Little Ones. It's okay. worth seeking out. Because I like to think our audience watches all different kinds of movies. And this is... It is like a little indie darling, um, but 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 it's. I it's, don't mean that in like a it, bad way. It was just. I'm sure you've had this experience. It's just one of these movies you kind of come across, maybe even on TV, and you watch it all the way through. And you're like, God, that was a good movie. You know what? Actually, you're making me want to change my thing <laughs> I'm talking about because what I was going to talk about is really almost seems kind of dumb in comparison. Yeah. Well, let and me. Now I did think of a good one. Well, let me just wrap it up and say that like one thing I really liked about it was that, um, you know, we're in, like, a total new era of, like, queer cinema with, like, movies like Love, Simon and stuff like that. But it wasn't, like, a typical, like... Or what's that other one? I, Call Me By Your Name. That's the one. Right. Um, all kinds of great stuff like that. But this was not your typical, like, um, oh, and that's how I discovered that I was gay, or that's how I got the... Cra- it's like something in the background, almost. It's, it's, more ambi- it's more ambiguous than that. Like, at the end of the movie... The, the the conflict is how do these two boys come to terms with their relationship, their friendship uh-huh. with each other. And the question of what label yeah. these boys are going to put on themselves like, in their lives going forward is not the main point. And it's, it's left very ambiguous at the end of the movie. Like I said, they both still have girlfriends, or they both have girlfriends at one point during the movie. And... There's a lot of possibilities. You can kind of read, yeah. you can kind of imagine a lot of different things potentially well, it, happening for these very young characters. In the indie sense, it is very kind of like against, it, it's a little Joe Dante related. It's kind of against the grain a little bit because what the movies always try to package into it is, you know, what was that one moment that changed your life forever? Right. That one thing, that seminal piece of. Right information that changed you forever right and in reality in real life it's just like it's a collection of a billion exactly. of those little things yep, going exactly on. so in a way it doesn't like reward that like sum it up in one like log line or like right. elevator pitch yeah this the movie is this yeah, the <laughs> movie is about this event right and and this event is important in the life of the main character because it it leads him to come to a greater understanding of himself, but not in the sense of, like, he's 100% sure of who he is at the end of the movie. Right. You know what I mean? He right, just, there's not some big payoff. He, he starts to understand life is more complicated. Who than, are the actors then? Are they Only actor, to me, Kyle they were McLaughlin. all unknown. The only actor I knew was Kyle MacLachlan, who was terrific in it. But it's young actors, you know, it's like teenagers. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but 
they were terrific. So I, I mean, it's streaming on, I think, multiple platforms. I would definitely tell people, check out Giant Little Ones. I was utterly charmed by yeah. this movie. So I'm sorry, no monsters in it. Um, <laughs> but no, there's no nudity. There's no monsters. Is there any violence? Well, there's the kids fight. So there's some, there's okay. like fist fight. And the one kid gets beat blood? up. There's blood. There's a little bit of blood. A little, little blood, a little blood. So. Um, but Grand no, ones? there's not definitely not a gremlin. Hulk Hogan? No, Hulk Hogan. Leonard Maltin. No, no, okay, no. Forget right. it. He probably, I'm, I'm sure Leonard Maltin loved it, though. I'm out. Anyway, <laughs> check out Giant Little Ones. Um, it's really good. I'll okay. put up the trailer cool. on our social media. So, All right, what dumb, lowbrow piece of garbage do you have to talk about after that? Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Talk about whatever you want. Uh, I should have gone first. Well, no, I, I almost I was almost going to talk about I can call an audible no. because you made me actually think of something that would be more whatever you want. All right, well, I'm <laughs> going to call an audible then because originally I wanted to talk about cuz I re- I bought the Max the animated series. Oh. Like I don't know how, I don't know how much I was going to actually ask you about how much you knew about Keith David or not Keith David. What's Sam Keith? Sam Keith. I Sam always Keith. confuse him with Keith or not Keith. Person, but I confused the name. names. <laughs> so, but I, I very briefly, Sam, Sam Keith is a cartoonist who created a comic book called The Max, a yes. very unique semi-superhero comic book from Image in the early to mid-90s. I love that comic book. Yep. Um, I wish I knew more about Sam Keith. I know he went into independent filmmaking for a little bit. I think he's back okay. in comics now. See, I just rewatched this, so I okay. haven't... Yeah, I have not... I, I love the cartoon, too. Very faithful adaptation See, of the I, comic book. Okay, I had re- it's from 1995, and I had remembered watching it like as a kid, because I would never sleep. Like I was always up all night, like mm-hmm. till three a.m. or whatever. Even if I had school in like in two hours. Wow. But I remember watching MTV Oddities with um. They'd show the Max and the Head. Yes. Which I don't remember the Head as much. I remember I liked that one too. I I liked it too, but I haven't rewatched it, so I couldn't say. And okay. Eon Flux, they did too. Oh yeah. Um. But so the Max is collected again on DVD. It's a little hard did to it just, get. Okay. No, it came out. Probably like 10, 10 years ago, I okay. guess now. Like 2008, I think, is the stamp on the DVD itself. It's not even a Blu-ray. It's DVD. Um, but it's the whole thing. And I guess the m- episodes are like 10 minutes only. Yeah. Which I remember them being longer. But well, because I, I think the one. show was a half hour, so half of it was right, the max right. and half of it was the head. I remember that later. but so I Right guess now, it, half of the audience is like, oh, yeah, and half, the other half is like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> Well, all together, it's on like two discs. I think it's probably around like three hours. That long, sounds about right. Something like that, because I think there's twelve episodes. Uh huh. Something like that. But whatever. I was like, holy shit, this is groundbreaking. Really? Like even from 1995. And then they have a commentary by the animators and okay. um, not Keith David. Sam Keith. Sam Keith. Oh, I would love <laughs> to listen to that. Who? Well. He's a he's an eccentric guy. Yes. Well, <laughs> he's just from the a, max, I would assume so. Yeah, but but see, you don't get anything. I don't mean you don't get anything out of him, but okay. he totally likes. I don't know. I don't know what the attitude is, but he's kind of like, oh, whatever. People don't really like this. I see. really kind of like a humble yeah. thing. Like a lot of. Per- he's like, oh, people always talk about the themes of the max, and he's like. Oh, I had a good childhood. Like, I didn't put any themes into it. Sure. And I'm sitting there watching it because I watched the commentary afterwards, and I got a totally different reading yeah. out of it because there are themes going on in Oh, this. yeah. There are really dark, continuous themes. And, like, Sam Keith is, like, it's like he's playing dumb almost. 
honest. Yeah. And he does the commentary. So yeah. in a way, it's kind of like a little disingenuous. It's a little too self-deprecating. But what's more interesting is that they have, like, the animators, mm-hmm. which was... So they're the ones who made the show. Right. Yeah. But, I, like, when they started talking and introduced themselves, I was like, oh, I know these people. Okay. These are the Futurama guys. Ah. They're the ones that do all the... Now they do... Well, I guess Futurama's not on anymore, but they do all the 3D animation on Futurama. This okay. is where they started, Rough Draft Studios. Okay. And it was just the two of them. It was Greg Vanzo and Claudia Katz. Huh. I did not know that. And they, I didn't know it either until I started listening. And they introduced themselves. And I'm like, I know these people. Uh-huh. Like, I've heard them talk on Futurama commentary. Okay. But Jared, like, this is why the, the world needs you in this podcast. All the, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> to, to discover these hidden. Because I'm a like, shut-in. No, to discover <laughs> these hidden like connections between all this ephemeral pop culture. But it's funny that like Sam Keith is kind of like. So, it was hard for me to listen to his commentary. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, embrace it. Yeah. Like, it's good. Go right, for it. Right, like, right. <laughs> I, like, I was just listening to the animators. I yeah. was kind of getting a little annoyed with him a yeah. little bit. Because watching it, I'm like, God, I want to know more about Sam Keith. And then huh. I listen to him, I'm like, okay, I think I've heard enough of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously, like, there are real dark themes going on uh-huh. in, that, in that show. And it's like, I can't believe you'd never get away with it today. Yeah. Like, the stuff that's in it. It was and, bizarre. And just their techniques that they use. Like, they tried to make it... They tried to make cell animation 3D. So, there are scenes hmm. that I had remembered where it's, like, rotating around an animated character hmm. with a 3D background. Okay. So, you're, like... You see the character as it's doing, like, this weird, like, Sam Keith dialogue, which to me it sounds like Sin City. Yeah. Like, Frank Miller. Yeah. Kind of noir... Over the top, like characters are basically saying what's going on yep. in their lives, yep. and, and it's panning around just some weird looking character. Like, because Sam Keith's art works perfectly well mm-hmm. for the animation style, like a cell painted, bright, dark, <laughs> like Batman the Animated Series, like really bright against the dark right. background. And they're introducing all these new techniques, story techniques, where even like have a panel, a painted panel that Sam Keith made as a scene uh-huh. and then animate like the background of it or uh-huh. whatever. Like I, I can't remember like specific little ones. But they were being very were, like, inventive and experimental yeah. in terms of the animation. And then they also hmm. said that. I don't think I appreciated that about that show. Since it came time. out in 95, like they said that they got like a lot of attention from other studios. Sure. They're like, oh, you got to do this for us. And they did the Spawn cartoon. Okay. But this is where it's weird, is that they said a lot of studios wanted them to do that with their comic characters, uh-huh. and then they said that they would present them to the studios, and they'd be like, we don't want this. Right. Like, so it's like people say they want that type of thing, but sure. they really don't. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, we've presented, like, hundreds of comic versions of our, like, our technique to them, because they all said they love it, and then they turned us down every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like people just had, like, it was something about the Max that really worked. Wow. Well, I have to say. Watch the Max again. I I will. I I love that comic book, and I love that cartoon. See, I'm not as familiar with comic, but I remember that you collected it. Yeah, I really liked it. For me, it was the comic book was a real bridge because it was published by Image Comics. They even mentioned Eric Larson. Yeah, at the time, Image was publishing. It was the original Image guys, so they were publishing basically, like, buffed up kind of edgier versions very 90s versions of the characters those artists had been working with at marvel and dc Mm -hmm. but then the the kind of second generation image guys 
were like like guys like Sam Keith and for me the Max was kind of like the bridge between like mainstream superheroes and like more alternative. Well, he said comics. he wanted to make like a superhero book or a cartoon, I guess he was talking about the cartoon, but he wanted to make a superhero book without a superhero. Yeah. He didn't want the Max to be he wanted him to be like a homeless guy. Right. Like there, are, there are action scenes which I think are kind yeah. of cool, but yeah. he didn't want that to be the focus of. Yeah, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre conflict. It's a bizarre show, but I've been wanting to revisit the comics because mm-hmm. I did really like them as a kid. I read almost the whole run, I think, up to the end, and um, but I haven't thought about the cartoon show. I hadn't either. And somehow, weirdly, I saw that it was collected on DVD, and it's actually a pretty good presentation cool. DVD, but it's a little hard to find because I don't think it's in store. You'd have to. I got it through Amazon. Okay. So. Well, it's one to keep an eye out for, for sure. That Well, that definitely brings us back to the cult. Okay. Uh, you were talking about the indies, and I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to talk about 8th grade, but I'll talk about that movie later. All right, cool. Well, I will do my my backup. Uh, okay, yeah, you save it next, next time. Episode. Yeah, I, I'm going very lowbrow next time, okay. and I have a lot to say about it. Okay. So there's your, that's your little tease for the next episode. Oh, and it would be a Halloween one, too, because it's I know, we're really going to have to think about our Halloween episode. So. Okay. No, I don't want to build it up too much. Now we'll never, okay. Anyway, um, we will uh, end this here. Um, there Mercifully. Will, there will not be, most likely, real soon, another Gremlins movie. But there will be, hopefully, most likely, real soon, another episode of The Dumpster Dive. Yeah, because it's after midnight now. Oh, yeah. No eating after midnight. All right, everyone, remember the three rules, and uh, we will see you next time here on The Dumpster Dive. Thanks for listening. Bye.